Neocab, Atama Chef, and Resident Evil Revelations coming up on N Focus Podcast. Hello, Nintendo fans, and welcome to episode 148 of In Focus Podcast. I am not your regular host, Andy Corgan, who is currently shackled to a radiator in my basement, and he'll get to come out when he's done playing Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. But I am joined by our regular co-host, Tori Wassenaar. Tori, how are you doing this evening? I'm feeling I'd better play that game, too. <laughs> I mean, again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll overlook it this time. <laughs> so let's check in with our updates from previous episodes. So Monster Hunter Rise has been out for just about a week now, and it's been the talk of Twitter. It's been the latest big game, and hopefully that'll be the case for most of the rest of the year. I hope it's a big success, uh, as it seems to have been up front. Uh, but how about you, Tori? Are you still playing it? Are you still enjoying it? Or have you come to regret every decision you've ever made involving <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise? I am still playing it. I was playing it right up until recording this, actually. I was too, to be honest. Uh, supposed to be playing Bravely Default 2 on weekends, but I, I just crashed out of a, a really frustrating part. And I'm going to come back to it next week with the difficulty lowered. And uh, I just immediately started playing Monster Hunter Rise instead. And... I'm not as far as you or as Andy because I'm taking it real slow. I've I've just hit the first rampage, and I that was when I had to get off so I could get ready to record. As I hear it, you've actually finished all of the single player village quests all the way up through Magnum Molo. Is that that correct? Yes, but there is plenty beyond that. Thankfully, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, it kind of rolls credits halfway through. <laughs> oh, it's one of those. Yeah, I, I was amazed actually. Just. I think even before the game had released, I was hearing people who had played it for review talking about how they, they hit credits in 15, 20 hours. I was really surprised to hear that, and I, I, I totally see how that's possible. Actually, I'm well past that point myself, but as I said, I'm I'm playing it real slow. I'm trying to really learn the longsword weapon and trying to craft every item that I can, even though experienced players will tell me, don't do that. It's a waste of time, but... I'm doing it just to ensure that I learn everything. Yeah, I see. I was doing that with every armor set, mm-hmm. and I quickly realized that I needed all of that money that I spent crafting the high-end armor sets. They get really pricey. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, there's a hammer that I'm after that's like twenty-eight thousand zenny. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I I've been thinking like I always have way more money than I need. I just always spend money like. If I have a choice to spend your points that you earn from every mission to or money, I, I always spend the money because I'm like, I always have plenty. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, my my, adv- my advice would be to stop doing that now. <laughs> It'll help you a lot in the higher rank because so we were talking about like the, the credits kind of implies that, you know, that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. There's plenty more. I think it's a three star quest to beat Magnamalo the first time really okay I think so 
I'm in rank three right now. What's well, that? The three or four? I think it would be like your first four star quest. Um, and the village quests go up to six star. Mm-hmm. It nudges you over to the hub to start doing hub quests. Luckily, it gives you license quests to kind of rank up in the hunter rank quickly, which means that you could skip a lot of the hub quests if you focus on the village quests. So you can get up to about hunter rank three or four, I think. That's nice, but I'm probably still going to do all of them anyway, just because... Oh, you can. Well, I, I'm unlocking it, or not? I'm crafting everything along the way. That's just the kind of player I am. So I'm probably going to do the same thing with hub quests. I can't move on. I've still got hub quests I haven't finished yet back in rank one. <laughs> I should be though. doing them. They are sh- they're, they're much harder than the one-star mm-hmm. quests. A, a one-star hub quest is a lot harder than a one-star uh, village quest. Right. So just by default, the hub, uh, the hub quests are kind of like a, another tier on their own. Mm. Are they like a half step up or are they just they in a league of their own? They feel like they've got twice as much health. Hmm. Okay. But I think they hit the same. But you should be well, armored up by the time you, you head into them. They're, they're very much geared towards multiplayer. But the thing is, the more players you have, the more health it has as well on top of that. I'm, uh, I think I'm doing six star quests at the moment in the hub, and it actually continues wow. the story there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's good. And then Capcom has released an entire roadmap uh, that seems to be the latest thing in game development. We released this game, and here's everything else that we're still making for it. Eh, I miss the days when games were released and that was the game, but... <laughs> I do too. Anyway, but at the same time, it's nice to have something to to give you a reason to revisit. But I, th- I think this April patch, it's still mm-hmm. going to be in that. I don't think people are going to be done with the game when that patch comes out. Oh, certainly not. I, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope Rise even gets an expansion like Iceborne. That would be nice to see as well. That would be the dream. There's mm. there's a lot of potential for that. Um. But the, the, these patches, at least the April one, I think they're adding three new monsters and raising the um, the rank cap. Yeah, the to the G rank, I think. that That's another complaint I've heard from people who have, quote-unquote, finished the game, is how there's really nothing to do at the end of the game. It doesn't really have an end game, as Monster Hunter veterans recognize it right now. But I think that speaks mm. more to how it's it's more focused on new players especially on the switch which has a much more casual entry-level audience than in past platforms monster hunter has been on where if you wanted to play monster hunter you had to really want to play it it wasn't just the flavor of the month yeah i've i got a friend who has this is their first monster hunter game Mm -hmm. and she was not happy with how the the game was just kind of assuming that you know things still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not a great tutorial system, but I feel I always hate telling people stick with it. The start sucks, but once you get the hang of it, it's awesome because it, no game yeah. should make you feel like a chore to learn. And I think for like very, very, very newbie players, like I think we've kind of done well because we've, kept on trying to play the game. We understood parts of it and bounced off. Mm-hmm. And then all of those parts, for me at least, I went into Rise and all of those little experiences that I had in the previous games that I played finally made sense together. Right. It almost feels like this game wasn't made for newbies so much as people who have tried to play the game so many times. 
<laughs> Maybe that's a better place to say it. I mean, all three of us are, are really poorly positioned to really evaluate the game from that direction because Andy and I both started with Generations Ultimate, and I, I think... I can't speak for Andy. He can fill us in next week when we all check in one more time on this game. But I do feel that the many, many hours I spent playing Generations Ultimate did help me find more sure footing starting out in this. And it helped me a lot, although I understand the weapon mechanics in Rise much more than I ever understood them in uh, Generations Ultimate, where I tried to use the Charge Blade back then, and I'm using the Longsword now. And I'm actually pretty into the idea now where I when I'm done with Rise I want to go back to Generations Ultimate now and see how well all the things I've learned in Rise translate back to that game because that's a pretty large game so I'm interested to see all the things that were in the older Monster Hunter games that didn't make the cut for Rise because I think that would be a fun experiment. Yeah I've been wanting to go back to World and properly, uh, properly finish that one because mm-hmm. I got pretty far on it on the PlayStation, and I feel like I'd have to start again on the PC because I got it on PC too. Now, <laughs> I it was gifted. Oh sure. I feel like yeah. even World, it got to the point where it got too hard, and it didn't really tell you. It didn't give you the mm. feedback to go. You're struggling because of this, and I feel like Rise doesn't explicitly say it, but it does a better job of communicating. Maybe you need better armor to. <laughs> you know, match the weaknesses and the strengths of the monster. Right. But it's it's gentle nudge. Yeah, just a gentle nudge, right. Yeah, I, I probably should have played World by now, but I somehow got it into my head that it was kind of a Destiny-style game. I Obviously, I got a lot of misinformation about World as I talked about <laughs> last week's episode as well. So I just I'd never bothered to pick it up because I didn't want to renew my subscription for PlayStation Plus to be able to play it. But now oh, I'm yeah. thinking I probably don't need to do that. I, I can play it to some extent offline just to see if I like it. And then maybe that will spur me on to renew that PS Plus sub. Probably not, but, you know, <laughs> it's worth a look. And I'm sure I could get it for like 10 bucks now if I really looked. Yeah, I think it's like 20-ish. Uh, mm-hmm. That's without Iceborne, though. Oh, but, well, um got to have that. One little detail that I noticed in Rise is that the the woman that runs the... Is it Argosi or Argosi? Mm, I'm so terrible with the names in this game. I'm sorry. I, I don't <laughs> remember her name, but I don't remember the name of the, the vendor. It's like Argosi. It's the little submarines. Mm. Anyway, she's dressed up oh, like sure. a character from World. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I know she's supposed to be like a, a visitor from some far off continent and everything else is based on medieval Japan. Yeah, I, I think she's meant to be on the the more European esque uh, mm. style from our world, which I think is the new world. I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a nice little bit of world building. It's it's pretty unclear how these games are connected, if at all. But I guess they are all in the same world. Uh, I think it's like a Zelda situation where they are connected officially, but it's an afterthought. And if you think about it too hard, you're just gonna end up making a two-hour-long YouTube video that makes you look like a a raver pointing to your billboard covered in papers connected by strings. You know you know the image I'm talking about. Yeah. It's a meme. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but yeah, it's still a recommend from me for Monster Hunter Rise. Still a recommend from me as well, even though I'm I'm not giving it all my attention now because I'm, I'm playing so many things, and Monster Hunter is just... What I'm squeezing in 
when I just can't stand playing the other things I'm playing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll come back to that again in the coming week uh, when Andy rejoins us. We'll see what he has to say, and we'll probably have our final thoughts at that point. Yeah. So another slow week of Switch news. Uh, Mario has succumbed. He's been claimed by the Reaper and cast aside and sacrificed by Nintendo on their pyre. So any time now I'm expecting a Zelda Direct. Uh, Certainly it's going to happen before June at the time E3 would normally be. Uh, (laughs) There's some news as uh, E3 is happening yet not happening this year but we'll we'll see what happens uh so hopefully we'll have that direct to talk about soon but not much happening right now so let's go on to the new games that we played this week even though they're all old so first up this week i played neocab which came out back in 2019 and it looked super stylish super cool i was really interested in playing it but it just never happened until finally this week and neocab is a narrative mystery game it's set in a near future world that's still very recognizable as our own with all of the problems and the issues in their society that they all have to deal with that form the basis of the story and the conflicts between the characters i play as lena who is a driver for a rideshare app called neocab She has recently moved to Automation City in Los Ojos, which is kind of a mixture of Los Angeles and San Francisco. She's moved there from her small hometown of Cactus Flats. But the problem with living in Los Ojos is the biggest company is town is Capra, which is basically Google meets Microsoft. It's mind-bogglingly huge. They control everything, and their technology is wrapped up in everything, including in transportation, because there's a rival transportation service that the citizens of Los Ojos can use, but all of those cars are operated by AI. So... Lena is unique in working for Neocab as being an actual human person, which is part of the conflict of the story. The gameplay loop is pretty simple. You can take three fares a night, and each fare basically just plays out like a a short little scene where there's a conversation between Lena and her passenger. And these conversations, they enrich the world, they comment on real-world tech issues, and they develop the plot. And in a few situations, they even do all three. And by repeatedly picking up the same fare as I go around the city, that develops their friendship between Lena and the different characters. And a couple of the characters that I kept picking up, they really became key in the climax. And I'm assuming if I talked to different characters before I got to the ending, then the ending might have been different. Or I might have just had to keep driving around until I met those characters so that way I could uh, have those keys to get the ending that I got to. I'm not sure yet. I've only beaten it once, but there's definitely room here for the game to be played more than once. And as they get together, they deal with all these issues, either through situations they encounter or just things they talk about, just modern technology issues that affect us today, situations like automation is the big one. There's the what automation does to the economy because lena used to work for capra but then they introduced their ai cars so they laid off all of their drivers which is why she now works for well she doesn't work for she uh gig economies for 
the rideshare app Neocab. There's a whole hoofla in the story happening over cars existing at all because there was an accident that resulted in a lot of people being killed, including a ballerina named Sophie who became kind of emblematic of the entire situation, and they've introduced a bill called Sophie's Law that is going to outlaw cars entirely, so there's a lot of speculation about what's really happening behind that. Capra might be involved in it because it benefits them greatly if it does happen. And that's a whole situation. Uh, corporate and social media surveillance are big because everything is everywhere, has a camera. You can't go anywhere without Capra knowing exactly what you're doing, what you've done. There was one point early in the story where I was going to pick up a fare and they wanted me to stop in a zone that was not a pickup zone basically and I seemed to get away with it and then the next night I actually got pulled over and got given a ticket for doing that because a camera saw me doing it which that raises some issues and also that leads right into police technology you know the police have access to all this surveillance technology and they're doing deals with Capra what is the relationship between there is that appropriate and also corporate monopolies, because, you know, as I said, Capra's the only game in town except for Neocab. Neocab, at one point, it, the game says there's only three people working for it, which seems kind of amazing. That there's a, a gig app running that only has three people on it. That doesn't seem feasible, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a game, it's a story. It, it doesn't have to make sense in the real world for them to get their message across, and I think their message gets across really well. This is what really drew me to the game, is the, the animations. Even though you're playing as this taxi driver, you don't really do any driving in this game. It's all just watching the characters talk, and they use this really elegantly simple animation style. It's all focused on their upper bodies, and especially their faces, and their eyes move all over the place. The eye animation is incredible, and... Most of what you can read from a person's emotions is seen in their eyes, and Neocab just really nails that. And then also just subtle little movements in their forehead and in their mouth, and they don't, like, mime the words that they're saying, because this game does not have voice acting. They just have expressions that relate what they're feeling when they say the thing. So I really enjoy looking at those animations and kind of reading more into what the characters are feeling when they're saying the things that they're saying, but... Where the issue arises is, as I said, there's no voice acting, so I can't focus all the time on those faces because I'm always having to look away to read the speech bubbles. <laughs> but this is a, a low-budget indie game, so I, I can't come down on them too hard, but I think this game would have really come up to the next level if it did have voice acting. And I finished this in about five hours on my sixth night, so I did about 18 fairs, 18 different conversations, but there were a lot more people that I never talked to. And I could have gone on quite a bit longer if I wanted to see every conversation. Uh, so it's a big recommend for me if you're a narrative game fan. And it is on sale right now for $3.99 US, $6 Australian. And totally worth grabbing for that price. I thought this was a really impressive game, really smartly written, looks beautiful. The music is incredible. It has this great synth soundtrack and just had a lot to say that really resonated with me. I did enjoy Neocab, and I wish I had played it sooner. Do you have anything to say on that, Tori? Well, I just bought it, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's nice. been on my wish list, wish list since it was announced or released. 
Mm-hmm. You've sold me on it, so. Yes. Mm. I mean, I probably should have Mission paid the full accomplished. $20, $30, whatever it was, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have even complained for it at that price, but it's a freaking steal at the price it was at now. So don't miss it out if you're at all interested, because. It's only seven hours left on the mm-hmm. sale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Well, I tried, but next, anyway. Next time it goes on sale, but it, I'd say it would be worth the price by what it sounds like, full price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I still recommend it at full price, but if it ever gets this deep discount again, 80% off, leap on it. Incredible game. Uh, so you've been playing Resident Evil Revelations in your trawl through the Resident Evil series. How are you feeling about that? It's It's one of those games where I don't hate it but the things that it does wrong are so wrong that it stands out so much and that's all i can think about (laughs) okay (laughs) well let's preface this that this is an hd port of a 3ds game so yes you got to keep that in mind Uh, i'm not talking to you i'm I'm speaking to our listeners i have to keep reminding myself of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. That, that's why the characters they kind of look stretched and and wide like i I almost want to call them chunky uh, a little bit yeah there's some exaggerated facial features mm-hmm. is it jessica it's, i the, think it's uh, chris's partner in it the, is she the one that has this this slit in her her wetsuit where one of her legs is naked which, <laughs> yes. which is ridiculous on a wetsuit yeah that's oh, yeah. jessica <laughs> um before i go too much into detail i'll give a, a quick rundown of what it is resident evil revelations is like uh, Andrew said, it was a 3DS spin-off of the series. And I feel like from the design choices, they were trying to go back to more of the original Resident Evil mm-hmm. gameplay. Definitely. Definitely. Because this came out like in, in the middle of like the Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 6, and those yeah. bad shooter spin-offs that they were making. This came out in that era, so... This was a breath of fresh air when it appeared. Like, oh, thank goodness, a, a Resident Evil game that feels like Resident Evil. <laughs> and it does for, like, 80% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it swaps, because it's a 3DS game, the design philo- uh, philosophy for a lot of 3DS games was play a little bit on the bus on the way to work or on the train or what have you. Mm-hmm. And so each episode is split into smaller chapters usually two or three and not all of those little chapters are you playing as what i'd argue is the best part of the game is when you're playing as jill exploring this um decrepit ship full of zombies or like slime zombie sort of creatures um i feel like with resident evil games especially like this the the like the deep lore of it kind of falls to the side because you're focused on the the gameplay and the yeah. characters and they they they've just murdered the lore since Resident Evil 4 as well it just it's not even worth paying attention to the plot in these games anymore <laughs> it's really strange they keep referencing this event about this floating city called Terra Grigia mhm mhm there's, there's no references to the city before or after the release of this game <laughs> and it feels like such a unique thing like uh, especially after playing resident 
2 and 3 remakes and Resident Evil 7, there's still some sense of it, of the world being relatively grounded. Like, obviously, yeah, zombies don't exist, but it feels like it could happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it's the world if it was invaded by zombies. It's it's yeah. fairly grounded. That You don't get that feeling from some of the, the story beats in um, Resident Evil Revelations. It feels... I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't feel like it could be a part of this world. It mm. feels very on its own. Which I guess it's one of those things where if, if they semi-expect players to have played through the main series of games, but not so much the spin-offs. So when they create new lore, new stories, they they reference the main games first and then the spin-offs second. And in this case, I don't think they reference the spin-offs at all. Yeah, I don't think this has ever been mentioned in a mainline game. Um, it's mm. the Revelation series. It, it, it builds off the core games. It incorporates a lot of the characters, but it's very much its own thing. It's a it's a guidance yeah. game, basically. It's a guidance <laughs> series. It's the Disney Plus series. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no, okay. It's the Netflix series. This is the Daredevil. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And defenders of the Resident Evil franchise. I hope hopefully somebody understands. <laughs> That's a much better comparison. <laughs> it's connected, but not really. It's only connected one way. Exactly. Weirdly enough, it uses the main characters. Or what I argue are the main characters, like Jill Valentine, Chris Redfield, uh, and I think Claire Redfield's in two. She is. She's one of the main characters in Revelations two, uh, along cool. with Barry from yes. the original Resident Evil. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, a lot of these little chapters involve Jill exploring this ship, and the ship has some gorgeous rooms in it mm. that feel like a mansion. And it feels somewhat in place. Like, y- you don't look at it and go, like, what's this doing in the ship? You're going, like, cool. <laughs> now, this feels like classic RE. Well, there's even a fake out at one point where she gets knocked out between episodes. Yeah. And when she wakes up, she's in like this state room. And it, it is a fake out where you actually think you've been transported to a mansion. But eh, after a while, you realize, yeah. oh, no, I'm, st- I'm still on a boat. <laughs> I, re- I really enjoyed that because yeah. that felt like the game was making a statement like this is what this game is going to be. It feels like it's going to be like RE5 or 6. And then it straight up just throws you into a, a mansion on a ship. <laughs> and I love that. But it keeps switching focus from Jill towards Chris uh, Chris Redfield's character. And there were a couple of instances of these other two characters. I have no idea what their names were. <laughs> I remember one of them's name is like Jackass or something. And what yeah. is a good name for him? It's, it's uh, basically Bill Burr. <laughs> and the other guy is... Uh... Grinder? Sure. I, I always associate Grinder, I think, is is his in-game name. I always mm. thought of him. He used to do 7-Up commercials. You know what? Never mind. Oh. Nobody's going to have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> he used to do 7-Up commercials in the 90s, and he was just obnoxious. That's who Grinder always reminded me of. Nobody has any idea what I'm talking about. Moving on. I'm going to have to look it up because it's like vaguely ringing a bell. <laughs> but yeah, it, it keeps swapping to these characters that I have no real investment in. They like, never appear again. Yeah, there's just like two random missions. Um, when Chris shows up, it feels much more like Resident Evil Five, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's just swarms of enemies and you have tons of ammo. 
and then you, it swaps characters back to Jill again. I don't know. It, it just feels unfocused in that regard. It's happening more often than I'd like. Because hmm. I feel like the part with Jill on the ship, it could have just been that. And the rest feels like padding. The other thing that I wanted to complain about was when you shoot enemies, it doesn't do the best job of telling you if you're shooting the right part, the weak part, if <laughs> you're doing any damage at all. There was one boss yeah. that I spent half an hour on and we had to look it up because I got a friend watching me play as well. <laughs> so they looked up how to do it and I was shooting the wrong head. It had two heads. Oh, one of them human, one of them monster. I figured, a head's a head, I'm going to shoot him. Like the, the monster that has somehow spontaneously mutated a, a functioning buzzsaw made out of bone. That's him. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. Don't know how that works, but, you know, video game, whatever. <laughs> that was a frustrating experience. And I, mm -hmm. I can appreciate when a game frustrates you, and then when you kill the, the frustrating element, and you go, good. You feel good about that. <laughs> I was just annoyed by the end, end of that fight. Definitely see that. Yeah, the the feedback on it that that again probably dates back to you know just the fact that it was on the 3ds and they were limited yeah. in what they were able to do. And there's just not a lot of feedback on enemies when you're hitting them. They're like stone walls. They're just eating bullets. So that. yeah, you know. Other than that, some of the enemy placement is a bit questionable. Where it feels like they just put some enemies in to go. Hey, we. You got to do something before you get to this other room. Hmm. Uh, it just feels like filler. Uh, other than that, like I said, I'm enjoying the game, but the annoying parts annoy me so much that that's all I can really remember after a play session. Oh no! <laughs> so I have to remind myself I actually am enjoying the game. The exploration, that device—I can't remember the name of it—but it's like a little radar gun that you can use to find hidden items scan enemies mm -hmm. and get extra health even just healing is really quick it's just a button press and there's no animation for the healing it just happens like th there's a lot to like about this game especially if you like the older re games it's just that the frustration level i feel like is a little bit more towards annoying than it is towards rewarding just just a bit maybe just just play it with the the skip all the cutscenes. <laughs> you don't have to see Grinder and Jackass talking to each other. <laughs> I, I kind of like that, though. Like, that part I liked, but then when you had the players, then you're like, uh, mm. where's all my items? Yeah, because on those side missions, they're very action-focused and not survival-focused, yeah. but they you have to work with a very limited supply of items, so... In that sense, it's still a survival horror game. It's an interesting twist on things, and it's always yeah. messing. It messes with the flow of the game, and I think you either like that feeling or you don't. And I appreciated it personally. I thought this was yeah. a great game. I really liked it. I think I would have liked it more if it were a 50-50 between Jill and Chris. Mm -hmm. um, without spoiling anything, there is a little bit of a twist about the setting, the ship. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about that twist without spoiling anything. Did, did it trick you? Were you tricked? And did yes. you, were you, was your mind blown? It wasn't blown. It was just like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, it has a fantastic twist. I'll say that. 
if they did more with it, if they had you playing as Chris on the ship more, I feel like that mm-hmm. twist would have been really rewarding because you're like, you get to a certain point of playing on the ship and you're like, hang on. <laughs> That's not quite right. Again, it's hard to, to say exactly what I mean without spoiling it. Because I think it is a cool twist, but it's it's a twist that you're just like, but why? <laughs> they could have done so much with it. And what about zombified Jessica? Did you just find her incredibly unsettling when she starts whispering behind you and you have no oh, idea when she's going to pop up? Did that, that Jessica scare you? Or was that Rachel or something? Or Rachel, whatever her name is. I can't is. remember. Yes, that was incredibly unsettling. Yeah, like it's been, it had been a long time since a Resident Evil game actually creeped me out. That was legitimately unsettling, and I was really impressed by... I mean, I'm talking about when I played it on 3DS. I was like, I am sitting here afraid to go down a hallway in a 3DS game. This is, this yeah. is great. <laughs> it was so cool. The the design of of uh, that monster, though, mm-hmm. could have been a less um, sexually revealing. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I referenced earlier, where she has a wetsuit. And how wetsuits work is is through homeostasis so you you need your entire body to be covered and it needs to be tight and this wetsuit is missing like her left leg so it's completely worthless it's ridiculous but then she turns into the scariest monster resident evil has seen in a long time so it's like okay (laughs) oh yeah play with headphones on for that section Mm -hmm. it's incredible if you like horror if you like being scared that like they they finally figured out how to do it again for one spin-off game. <laughs> well, I just realized why I was never impressed by that Silent Hills demo is because the scary monster in that is it's just Rachel from this game. <laughs> <laughs> you turn around and it's like, whoa, she's there. Hello. <laughs> Speaking of, I would really love Silent Hill to get some sort of port or re-release or remaster, whatever. I yeah. really want to play it. I've never played it. There's news rumors out there that Konami is doing something with the Silent Hill license. It would be nice to see that on Switch. Uh, Silent Hills HD ports have historically not been good. <laughs> but I, I think that's because of the era they were made in where they didn't keep the source code. You know, that old story. So uh, yep. the old Silent Hill games, the classic ones that people really talk about when they talk about how much they love Silent Hill they need to be rebuilt basically so and they worked around the restrictions like the whole reason there's a fog is because the render distance was limited Mm -hmm. stuff like that like from a design perspective and a horror perspective that's so cool it works for silent hill not so much superman (laughs) (laughs) solve my maze okay did you play the raid mode at all not yet um, mm-hmm. I've been unlocking stuff for raid mode. I feel like that's something that I do want to try multiplayer. So if anyone's anyone listening wants to play, hit me up. It's a great experience. I when I played on 3ds, I played the entire raid mode solo because I I just enjoyed it that much. It it basically it's the same game. You're doing the same situations, but it's more focused on the action situations. Unfortunately, so I, I don't I'm not sure if you're going to enjoy it on that level. But it also turns the game into an RPG. Like monsters have hit point meters and your guns oh. all have stats and they like randomly drop when you complete missions. So there's kind of a, a Diablo loot style element to it there and you can just build on them. But Look, uh, health bars are going to be a 
big thing for feedback. <laughs> yeah, t- totally. That give you a lot more feedback on it. Yeah, I don't want health bars in the base game. Just like some animations or some <laughs> sounds, just to know that you are doing the right thing. But health bars are just like a quick shortcut, and I, I guess it would work for a game mode like that. I want you to play the raid mode. I really hope you enjoy it, but. The raid mode in Revelations 2 is like everything that's great about the raid mode in Revelations 1 and then some. If you like, if you were thinking, this is awesome, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to immediately stop playing it and then just start playing Revelations 2 so you can get to the good raid mode. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, now, I'm sure many more people will be playing the Revelations 2 raid mode than, than in Revelations 1 as well, although that's I may be I surprised by that, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to give 2 a shot because that's the one that had that's not made for a 3DS. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to all the stuff that Resident Evil Revelations did done better. That's <laughs> what I'm hoping for. Well, and Revelations 2 is also made specifically, it's it's single-player campaign at least. I just ruined it there by saying that. Uh, it's not a single-player campaign. It was, it's campaign was designed to be played with two players it's playable single player i've done it but every mode has two playable characters and you can switch awkwardly between them playing solo and they have different advantages that you're supposed to take advantage of simultaneously which is much harder playing solo but um i hope you play that with your friend and i hope you guys have a good time because i think it's a great campaign I'm looking forward to it. I might have to get the game for her to actually play with me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember playing the opening mission and one character is the action and the other one is the flashlight seeking thing, which is kind of how we play together anyway. Mm, good. Where mm-hmm. I just string my screen to, to them. Oh, great. Maybe that'll be the next thing you play. <laughs> Hopefully. That Neocab. <laughs> Neocab. <laughs> So thumbs up on Revelations and uh, looking forward to Revelations 2? Yeah, it's it's like a thumbs up with some caveats. Right, yeah. More for classic Resident Evil fans, I think we'll get more out of it than... Yeah, and go in knowing it's a 3DS game. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's step one for (laughs) appreciating Mm. this game. All right, so moving on, uh, I the other game I played this week was Atama Chef, which is a puzzle game uh, thematically related to the first game I talk about, where you set up automated kitchens to cook <laughs> food for customers. Each kitchen has a number of goals I have to complete. Uh, most kitchens have me making between one and three meals, possibly more later. I, I'm not too deep into the game just yet, and I have to complete every order that is placed. I have to build my automated kitchen within a certain budget and staying under a total power consumption and without wasting ingredients. The twist is those last three goals are technically optional, although if I want full star ratings on every mission, I have to meet each goal rather than just only meeting the orders. But if you just want to build a ridiculous kitchen that just explodes and wastes a ton of food but still somehow gets food out, that can still be a good time for you too. As an example of how the game works, if I am trying to build a cheeseburger, I basically have to build a long kind of Rube Goldberg style system to do it. Uh, I need dispensers to create buns, cheese, and raw meat patties. And then I need food processors to slice the cheese. I need a grill to cook the meat. I need 
like these automated hands to move parts between the conveyor belts and the machines. And I further need smart hands that will wait until the meat is done cooking before moving them, because if I just use the dumb hands on the grills, it'll immediately take the meat off before it's done cooking. Then you've got a raw burger. Nobody wants to eat that. And then at the end of my conveyor belt assemblage, there's an assembler that will actually put all the parts together to create the cheeseburger, and will deliver that to the counter at the end of the line. And then optional, but often needed, I can also build order monitors that will turn machines on and off when orders arrive. That'll save me on ingredients and prevent my kitchen from just turning into a mess filled with food that catches fire. All these machines that I'm putting together, there's all kinds of options I can toggle on and off with them. I can adjust how often the dispensers dispense food, how fast the grills cook, how fast the assemblers assemble the final dish. And these adjustments are needed to keep up with orders, but if I adjust them too much, they use up more power, or they may waste ingredients, which goes back to those optional goals. So the overall puzzle is building your basic machine that will make all the different foods that you need, and then that'll clear the level for you. You just need to get your food made to meet the, uh, the requests of your customers. They'll be happy with that. But if I want to get full credit for the level, I then need to spend a lot of time tweaking my different settings so that way the kitchen is running optimally so I'm not wasting a lot of power and I'm not wasting a lot of food. That's really important for some reason even though the entire game is run by a robot who is clearly out for world domination and I don't know why they would care about these things. <laughs> but that's the game. It gets very complicated. I've un even unlocked a computer mainframe part I can build that has literal computer programming in it that I have no idea how to use any of that, and I really hope I don't have to use that to finish the game because I'm dumb and I cannot do those things. I'm just not capable of it. And there are three different modes. There's a campaign mode, which works basically how I've described it so far. It's just a long list of different missions you finish. And what I'm really interested to get into is a contract mode where I start with like a basic kitchen and I can accept jobs that come in the mail and then the better or worse I do on those jobs, I earn money, and then I can spend that money on more machine parts that I can add in or take out from my kitchen to complete the next job that I accept. It sounds like a really interesting spin on the game's core mechanic and something that I could really, you know, stick with. It's, it's kind of like a survival mode uh, built around this puzzle resource management style of game. I think it sounds cool. And then there's a, a sandbox mode where you can just build something ridiculous and <laughs> see how it goes. And this game was obviously made for PC. It's very menu and cursor driven, but I think the Switch port controls, they work really well. Uh, the joystick is a little sensitive, so it takes some rather gentle movements to get my cursor moved exactly where I want to, but the game doesn't start, or your machinery and your customers don't start arriving until you press the start button, so that's not really a problem. You can take as much time as you need to to uh, build your factory and fine-tune your machines to whether they need to be, so it's not that big a deal. And I, I don't discourage playing it on Switch at all if it sounds interesting to you. And this is a very niche kind of puzzle game, but I, I've always been into these conveyor belt kind of time management games, and this seems like another great one. I, I loved what I played of it, and I do recommend it. Are you not into these kind of games, Tori? It kind of sounds... It, 
I don't know how to describe it. It's not obviously not a tower defense game, but that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> In the sense that you're building paths and putting different installations in place at key locations that uh, really affect the things that are moving along those paths. Yes, <laughs> that's kind yeah. of a weird comparison, but it works. It's like almost like a subgenre of that sort of that path building and um, and tower building, which I guess are machine parts in this. <laughs> I, th I think you've actually kind of sold me on this as well because I love <laughs> tower defense games and I love that sort of time management on the fly sort mm -hmm. of thing as well. Well, maybe there's some crossover appeal here. So if you play it, you'll have to let us know because uh, <laughs> that, that's a, an angle I had not even considered. That's I don't great. know why. It's just the because I always in my head thought Atomashev. I always mix it in my head with Overcooked, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is obviously much more of a party game. Yeah, a party cooking game. Yeah, this is a yeah. kind of Overcooked single player, really, <laughs> where you're automating everything instead of using <laughs> a kooky chef to cook while your airplane is crashing. That's an actual level. <laughs> oh my god! Overcooked yeah, is great, but only multiplayer. If you've got a friend that you can sit on a couch with and play it with do it mm. overcooked is fantastic atomic shift is kind of like if you don't have friends to play with create them <laughs> <laughs> i think you've actually sold me on this one too that's a, that's a two for two i had no idea what it was about but yeah i i like the looks of this i like that sort of juggling so many things and getting it all done and having to think a couple of steps ahead I wouldn't use the programming because I'm hopeless, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and I, I I imagine that programming thing would be a bit of a nightmare to do on Switch, whereas on a computer you just you select your if-then commands and you do some typing if you have to do your typing for whatever you're programming, but on Switch you'd be like, yikes. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, if somebody's figured out how to run Doom on, on that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has. Yeah. Uh... All right. So, what are we playing in the coming week? We have nothing written down because we did not do our homework on this part. Toria, do you have any plans for next week, or are you just gonna play it by ear? I mean, Resident Evil Revelations. I'd love to get finished. Mm -hmm. Um, just bought Neo Cab, and <laughs> so keen for that. And uh, this little game called Monster Hunter Rise might check it out. All right. Uh, I got nothing new. I'll pick something from the backlog or something will go on sale or something will surprise drop this week. But sorry, I don't know what I'm playing this week. So <laughs> Yeah, there's a big mon uh, multiplayer sale on at the moment too. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. I know you don't play multiplayer stuff too often, but it's know, not people my might favorite. be interested for new things. Everyone should play ARMS. I prefer multiplayer games where I can solo queue and mostly keep to myself. Like, I don't mind working with somebody else, but if it's like a total team game, I find my team usually just ignores me and just goes off and does their own thing. It's like, screw you guys too. And then uh, things go wrong and they blame you anyway. Like, I, I played Fortnite once and I got paired up with this pair of guys who were obviously really good players. And then we all got knocked out at the same time. Uh, they got each other back up, and then I was sitting right there next to them, waiting for them to pick me up too. They just ignored me and just took off. And oh, was like, I've been in that situation in 
that's why I do not play team games. <laughs> that happens in Apex a lot too. Glad I did not get hooked into that game. But. <laughs> well, I think that's it for episode 148. Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Be sure to also check out our sister shows, PlayState for PlayStation and Power of X for Xbox. You can also join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. The links for all of those are in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. Those details are also on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew, and you can follow them at PlayCritically on Twitter, and also their long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. And you can follow myself at Stew2, S-T-W-T-W-O, on Twitter. And while Andy wasn't here this week, you can still follow him at Flame Roast Toast on Twitter.